beautiful friends. Welcome to the Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne, along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's Word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Saver Podcast. We're so excited you have um, joined us at the table um, today. And um, it's just been a good day. It's a beautiful day here in Charleston. I mean, it's not a bad view we have at our studio. It is really nice, but y'all, it's going to get so dang cold this weekend. I mean, like 22. That's cold. Like in the daytime? No, not okay. in the daytime. It'll be 75, Suzanne. You know we live no, in Charleston. No, it's not going to be 75 this weekend. I think the high is like in the 40s. No, Monday is, I think, 75. Yeah, Monday. Sunday's when it's going to be so cold. But that's how it works here. It's like 30 degrees one day, 75 the next. Yes, but it's still pretty out today. At least it's not raining because that would be... We might could get snow in Charleston. That would be a miracle. Yes. Anyway, anyway. Um, I hope that it is a beautiful day wherever you are. But, um, Stacy, you were telling me something really cool that I want you to share about when you were in New York recently. You did this really, you learned this thing, and today you blew my mind with something. I don't know what I blew your mind with today, but I did do something cool when we were in New York. No, it's something you told me today, but we'll get to that. Oh, okay, okay. good. You'll have to remind me. Okay. Oh, I will. You guys, she's like, it's a great day. It actually has been a frustrating day for me, but that's okay. I said it's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. She's right. And it's always a great day when I get to be in the studio with Suzanne. It is so much fun to be together and to literally be at the kitchen table. And by the way, I've spilt my water twice before we started today. You did, but that's all right. Suzanne saved the day. I'm so incredibly thankful. But back to what we did in New York. So yes, When we were on vacation, I don't know whose idea it was to go to New York City the day after Christmas, but that's what we did, and um, it was a little insane. One of the things that we did, though, was we went to a cooking class, and it was really cool. So obviously, my family, we love to cook all the time anyway, and especially my daughter, she really, really has taken on to wanting to cook. And so she said, when we go to New York, let me book a cooking class for us. So she booked one at this place called Abigail's Kitchen. If you're in New York, you should check it out. It's a lot of fun. But while we were in the cooking class, y'all, Abigail blew my mind because she was talking to us about what kind of salt she used and what kind of olive oil she used and where she gets her spices, which on a side note, she said that she never buys pre-ground spices. She only buys whole spices and then she roasts them herself and put them in a spice grinder. She said it saves money and they're way better. Mm -mm, I ain't got time for that. (laughs) We could do it like once a month. We could have a spice grinding day. Mm -hmm. We could be the spice girls. (laughs) The spice girls. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I get that bored with my life. (laughs) I mean, I'm seriously thinking about it. I mean, it probably tastes delicious. Yeah, but and after you listen to this episode, you're going to be like, I'm definitely grinding my own spices, and we'll tell you why, so keep listening. But some of you who are foodies or who have attended food classes, cooking classes like I went to before, this may not be new information for you, but if you are new to the food game, 
Y'all, I might blow your mind a little bit today. So Abigail was talking to us about food fraud. Had you ever heard of food fraud, Suzanne? I had not. No. I mean, I knew there's like questionable stuff in our food, but this is totally different than that. Like straight That's up. That's why I said you blew my mind with one of the things that you told me today. But I don't even know if that's in, in the notes, but I'm going to share it because the people need to know. Okay. Girls, we got your back when it comes to food fraud. So if you're like, I thought this podcast was supposed to be all about God's goodness. It is. God is so good to you that he is going to help you hear this information. Download this wisdom that Stacy learned because we need to know it. Yes. So this food fraud is where companies will sell certain types of food as something that they are not. So um, that is kind of what food fraud is. One of the most common, and you may have already heard about this, a lot of people have heard about this one common food fraud, which typically takes place in olive oil. So that's probably the most well-known food fraud place. So what happens is, I I watch so many videos on food fraud, y'all. So if you know me, reach out. I'll, I'll give you some links to some videos. It will, you will just be like, how did I get in this hole of all these videos? I'm never going to the grocery store again. But we've got good news for you today because we're going to help you walk through why we're first of all talking about food fraud and then how to avoid that as well as avoid some other important things in life. So for olive oil though, what happens is companies will take either um, really, really rotten olives, and then they will refine them and press them down so much that you can't really tell, and they'll mix them with canola oil, and then they put green dye in it, and they call it olive oil, 100% olive oil, extra virgin, but it's not, y'all, it's not. That, that's, that's bad. Yeah. Because... I am so cheap. We know that I'm cheap. So I always already buy the cheap olive oil at the store. I have to dump it out when I get home. What? But you said, who has the best olive oil? So according to my research, which, okay, let me go on record. I am no food expert. According y'all. to the rabbit holes that she's been down for the past weeks. <laughs> yes. Kirkland's brand extra olive oil ranks as one of the best most cost-efficient, 100% pure extra virgin olive oil. So get to Costco. They don't have this food. Fr- they don't have fraudulent, fraudulent olive oil there. Well, not the Kirkland's brand. Okay, that's but they what may. I mean, the Kirkland brand. Yeah, I don't know about the other olive oil brands they sell because they could be. But I'm going to tell you how to avoid fraudulent olive oil as well. But yes, they... When you are buying your olive oil, there are a few things that you can do. But before we get into that, I also want to tell you about some other things that are food fraud that you would not have already known. Uh, There are a lot of foods that we eat that we think are not, that we think they are, but they're not. So you see this also in honey and maple syrup. Those are two other areas where there's a lot of food fraud. There's also food fraud in very bright colored dried spices so like turmeric and cumin, those kinds. Suzanne's like, yeah, I don't ever use those spices, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, paprika, that's pretty bright. Yeah, that's true. I, I use a lot of paprika. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that's true, and it is bright. So those spices, when you buy them already pre-ground, more time, more often than not, they have probably been diluted with other things. And saffron, you know, 
sa- like whole saffron. You know what saffron looks like? I mean, I know what it is. I don't really use it. I don't use it very much either. It's a pretty strong one. But saffron is super expensive. I, was say, I know it's expensive, which yes. is probably why I don't use it. And one, and so that's another thing with food fraud. It is typically found in more expensive foods because they can make a higher profit in more expensive foods. Y'all, this one, I haven't told you, Suzanne, this is going to blow your mind. Do you love sushi? Please don't ruin this for me. No. Okay, fine. I won't tell you. No, you have to tell us. The people need to know. A hundred percent of the time, food fraud. What? Yes. Why? What do you mean? Okay, so not major food fraud. So the other thing we need to know about food fraud is not all food fraud can cause physical problems or make you ill. Some of it can, and we'll talk about that. It just diminishes the quality of it. Right. So in sushi, this one guy who is really passionate about food fraud, y'all, these people I was watching, they they were so passionate. I think you've turned into one. I think I do because I'm like, oh my goodness. So this one guy said he ordered a hundred different pieces of sushi from a hundred different restaurants in New York City. All 100 were fraudulent. They told him that it was something that it really wasn't, especially when it comes to fish, because in America, most of what we eat is some type of white fish. And so I don't know when I'm looking at a white fish fillet, if it's cod or grouper or whatever else it could be. And so more often than not, it's not that you're not eating fish, but you're not eating the fish that they're telling you are. Yeah. So you're paying a high price for this specific type of tuna. For instance, white tuna, not a thing. Really? Yeah. There is no white tuna. What? I'm, I don't know if you guys are as shocked as Suzanne and I are. I don't eat that much sushi. sushi. <laughs> I can't even talk. I'm so like upset about this. Um, I can't speak. I don't eat that much. But whatever the fish is I'm eating, it's good. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I just need to watch the prices. Just order the cheaper one anyway. You're probably getting the same one. That is basically what he was saying. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, well, that's good. It's not like we're eating like dirt or something. Actually, you might be. In the sushi? No, not in the sushi. Okay, this is what blew my mind this morning. Are you talking about what you told me this morning? All right, listen up, ladies. I don't. If you are bored with this episode already, I'm so sorry. But those of you who are still here, you are you are, you're getting your mind blown too, and so it's just like a, a train wreck. You got to keep listening. <laughs> it is. This may be one of those episodes that we look back on <laughs> six weeks ago. What were we thinking? But we literally prayed before we recorded. We prayed. So we ask the Lord, Lord, if it's not from you, anything we say. And I don't think the Lord wants us eating twigs. No. I mean, when he made the Garden of Eden, he made it with all the things that we would need to eat, I feel like. And just when he created the world. And I don't think he meant, like, you got to suffer and eat these twigs. Right. But if you have ground coffee in your house, ladies, it is very possible that you are drinking ground coffee twigs every day. Oh yes, ground coffee. Stay away from it if you can because coffee companies will take whole bean coffee and mix it with 5 to 10% of twigs and grind it all up and it saves them 20% in profit and they're selling it as ground coffee when in reality it's actually how is this, twigs. How is it legal? Oh, it's not. It's uh. illegal, but it's fraud. So they try to hide it. And second of all, even if they get prosecuted, 
the prosecution for it is so, the punishment for it is so small and insignificant. There was a billion dollar company that was found guilty of food fraud and the CEO was fined $5,000. It's a billion dollar organization. Uh, he was fined $5,000 and three years probation. So mm, why wouldn't he do it? Mm, that makes sense. And our justice system is, you know, overrun with worse things, right? Right. So they're like, yeah, you got some twigs in your coffee. No big deal. Well, I'm only going to buy whole bean coffee. Yeah. And this is just going to make me go get my grinder back. Yes. So, so first of all, big takeaways is pay attention to high-end items that you buy. You may be paying way more for it than you really need to. So because those expensive items are the ones that and the ones that come like in smaller portions like ground coffee so like they can't do food fraud on a banana right because you can pretty much tell if a banana is a banana yes so that's something to you know those you don't have to be aware of but loose leaf tea like that's in bags already again already ground up tea leaves that are in those bags like the herbal tea that's sitting on my counter that Mm -hmm. i love to drink every day he was like no don't do it just buy whole leaf tea that's not already in bags and do it yourself which I don't love hot tea that much so I'm not doing that it's actually really easy you know I'm lazy and stuff like that so I actually have bought loose leaf tea before it's it's super easy but so that that you don't have to like grind it up yourself like the spices but okay yeah okay see we Suzanne and I just have different things that we love okay one more that might (laughs) blow your mind did you know, and some of these stats I got, I got from the FDA. So it's legitimate sites. I'm not like in conspiracy theory sites, you guys. Some of you are like, you totally went down a conspiracy theory. No, FDA, it's a thing, y'all. But um, the FDA allows somewhere between 8 and 10% of cellulose to be added to cheese. You know what cellulose is? It's a plant thing. I watched this whole thing about this the other day. This is so weird. But it's not as bad as we think it is, is what this one lady was saying. But what did you hear? It's wood pulp. It's basically like, it's not going to hurt you. It's definitely not going to hurt hurt you. you. It's just, so when you're buying, for instance, Parmesan cheese. Okay, I know we all grew up with the Kraft Parmesan cheese. Have you ever noticed they don't spell it like real Parmesan? No, I've never noticed that. It's not. like the the, the dried, doesn't look like cheese, looks like powder. Yeah. It's not Parmesan cheese, y'all. It's not. Well, that's not surprising. Right. But it, they, they aren't even trying to fake you on it. It's, yeah. They're not telling you. It, it has ingredients listed that's not. But in that and some other cheeses, it's ground up wood pulp added to like cheddar cheese or other things. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is crazy. But it, it's not surprising, though, honestly, when you think about like profit and how greedy people are and just hey how can we make more money i know let's put twigs in this coffee because it looks the same um so yeah that's that's not surprising no it's not but one of the last things i want to share with you guys about food fraud it can be dangerous and so there was um a manufacturer of baby formula that came out in 2008 and they added melamine, which is the ground up plastic, into baby formula because it increased the level of protein. And that's what the people were looking at for baby formula was how much protein it was in. And it ended up killing 
thousands of children. Oh so God. it can be, food fraud can be really dangerous. It doesn't always have to be. But why do we want to buy things that we're paying higher prices for and it's not really, we're not really getting what we thought we were getting? Which I know marketing exists, but I didn't think straight out lying to me existed. Well, straight out, like, where it's just, like, crazy stuff. Like, I just am shocked. Yes, my mind was blown when you told me my coffee probably had ground-up twigs. Like, yeah, that's, that's crazy to me. Okay, now that we have shocked you and blown your mind, breathe, ladies. I'm going to help you figure out whether or not the olive oil in your cabinet is fraudulent or not couple of things to look for. So on the back of your olive oil, it should have for sure an expiration date, but even better would be if it had a harvested date. So you want to see that on the back of your olive oil. And then you want it to be from a single country of origin. So if your olive oil in little tiny print tells you it's from maybe Italy, Spain, Greece, and one other country, it's probably fraudulent. So those are some key red flags to pay attention to when you're looking at olive oil. And then the other thing I found out about olive oil is don't ever buy light olive oil. The only reason they market it as light olive oil is because people think people will think that it's fewer calories. Mm. It is not. When it is lighter colored, it means that it has been refined and refined and refined. And the more they refine it, the easier it is for it to be fraudulent. So you just want to look for 100% extra virgin olive oil with an expiration date or a harvest date on it and from a single country of origin. The other thing, you do not want to leave it out in the sunlight. It does not like sunlight, olive oil. And that's why most olive oil comes in a green bottle mm. good to know yes and i don't think this is like we're i don't think we're sharing this to like it's just like hey can you believe like there is some work that you need to do to figure out what what's in in what you're buying as, as far as when it comes to this food fraud stuff and sometimes it takes a little bit of effort Yes. And so if you're sitting there thinking, great, you've ruined my Tuesday or my Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this. And what does this have to do with tasting and seeing the goodness of God? Well, when she started talking, when Abigail in the cooking class started talking about food fraud, my mind immediately went to, huh, there's something called church fraud. Mm -hmm. And there are churches all over America that call themselves church but they are not a true representation of the bride of Christ as represented in scripture. And so we want to kind of highlight and help you think about that. And maybe you have uh, experienced that. Maybe you have been in a church and you started attending and then you were thinking, wait, this, this doesn't seem right. So we're going to help go through a couple of ways to identify whether or not a church is really the church that the Bible describes. So one of the things to look for when you're thinking about church fraud is um, going to a website of the church and checking it out before you ever go visit the church. And uh, again, I don't want you to like freak out if you're like, I wonder if my church is fraud. You know, that isn't the point of this episode. The point of this episode is just to kind of make you aware that there are 
things out there that aren't what they seem to be. And this shouldn't also surprise us. Scripture talks about this in 2 Timothy 4. We are, um, the Apostle Paul is writing in a letter. And I'm just going to read this real quick for you guys. He says, For the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their itching ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. And so the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy this. He's saying, hey man, there's going to come a point where people are just going to want their ears tickled. And so that is why there's been a rise on churches in America that will just please us, you know, and just go in line with what we already think and kind of just line up with us. So there are warnings in Scripture about this. There are a lot of warnings in Scripture about false teachers. And so that's why we want to talk about it a little bit. So one of the things that you can do is um, look on the church's website. And there are a few phrases as you're going through the, a church and you're looking through their website, there are a few phrases that can be red flags, just like when you pick up a bottle of olive oil and it has four countries listed on it. That's a red flag. I'm not telling you it's 100% fake. I'm telling you I'm no longer going to buy olive oil with from four countries. Or you need to do like some investigation into it, right? Like do some effort to work to figure out what is this I'm really ingesting. Yes. And so uh, I just went online to a couple of local churches here in Charleston and um, just pulled some of the verbiage off of their website. And I just want to read it to you. And these are some red flags. There's some words that stand out as red flags. We, this church is a vibrant and theologically progressive church with a clear voice for social justice. So immediately there are some red flags in that. You hear the word social justice. Social justice is a good thing. Absolutely. It's something that we should be working towards and we should be have a heart for social justice. But if that is the main thing the church is pushing and they're pushing that more than the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's a red flag. When you see that they're theologically progressive, again, that should be a red flag for you. Any church that is saying that they're theologically progressive may or may not be representing the church of the Bible. Again, I'm not saying it's a 100% that they are not. I'm telling you these are red flags. Another one said, we are a living tradition and opening, open to continuing revelation. Mm. That's a dangerous one. Tell us a little bit why you think that, Suzanne. I mean, it depends, obviously, on what you subscribe to, uh, theologically and biblically. But obviously, here at Saver, we subscribe to the core doctrine of, of Christianity. We believe that the Bible is without error, and it is inspired by God, and reliable, and true. And so, if you subscribe to that, what they're saying in that, the continuing revelation is what's really kind of grabs you is because they're saying that the Bible can, um, there's new revelation that we can get. Um, you know, I think about honestly, Joseph Smith, you know, who was the father, founder, whatever you want to call it of Mormonism. And, you know, that's, I mean, he wrote a whole Bible by himself, 
because he had special revelation from the Lord. And I think we open ourselves up to that, to saying that the Bible can then change. That means, I mean, it's like Wikipedia. Anybody can go in there and add whatever they want to it, right? And then you go read it and you're like, oh, look. For instance, I'll give you a funny story. My, my daughter went in under my dad, who was on there because of his political position at the time and wrote her name in as the favorite grandchild. She was able to go on Wikipedia and do that. Now, somebody took it off. But I'm just saying, it's kind of like that. It's like, I can put in whatever I want and say that it was revelation. That is such a good point. And I'm so, I love your daughter. I love that she did that. Yeah. <laughs> she was the first grandchild. So, I mean, I assume she just thought, yeah, I am. Um, someone did check it and put it out or whatever. However, they do that. It got off of there. But we've still, it's this similar concept, right? Anybody can add what they want and say it's revelation. Yeah. So those are some things to think about. Another, a couple of other things when you're looking through a church's website, and we're going to remember, we're going to, the next episode we're recording is all about how to find a local church that you can plug into really well, because our desire and our heart here is at Saver is we want you to be a part of the Saver community as an addition to your home church community. We love that you're listening and we want you to be a part and we want to keep having the conversations going. So join us in our Saver Facebook community. We always have a link to that in the show notes. We believe in that, but it should be in addition to your local church. So some other things when you're checking out a church's website, and maybe you've never gone to your church's website. I'd encourage you, go look at your church's website because that's what visitors are looking at. And so go check it out. If it is hard to find a statement of faith or a statement of belief or a doctrinal statement, if that is not clear within one or two clicks on the website, that is another red flag. A few of the churches that I was on their websites the other day looking, I had to go about seven pages deep in their website mm -hmm. to find their statement of belief. Yeah, and I went. I was at a visiting a church one time, and they actually talked about. They're like, "You're not going to go to our website and find a statement of belief, because blah blah blah." And I'm like, I also think that that's a red flag. Like, if you can't find one at all, um, I think specifically in that situation, you know, it, it's talking a lot about inclusivity and things like that. And we want to be inclusive to all people. Should be welcome at our church. All people should be welcome to the table. But I think in some of those cases, like what the what I took away from it was, you don't want to be offensive. And so in, instead of like saying this is what's biblically true, you just don't put anything so that everybody feels like you believe anything kind of thing. Like I think it's, that's also a dangerous place to be because when you go to like, you should be challenged at your church. You should find things that are like cause conviction and cause repentance and like that you're being challenged as a believer. And so I, I loved that scripture in Timothy with the itchy ears because it always is like, yeah, we're going to say what we want, what people want to hear. So they want to be here. That is so true. And that is a, a big trend in churches right now. And I had the um, privilege of going to church with my daughter in Clemson back in the fall very, very different church experience than my home church. Uh, our home church that we attend is pretty contemporary. I mean, you can wear jeans and t-shirt and you feel pretty comfortable in there. And it's, you know, I mean, we're gospel preaching, Bible believing, Jesus loving, 
gospel commissioning church for sure. And so is my daughter's church, but very different. And one of the things that happens, she goes to a much smaller, more traditional style church, more of a high church feel. And one of the things that I noticed and I really loved about it is I was transformed into an environment that I don't encounter every single day. Mm -hmm. And there was a separateness and a set apartness about it. For instance, the pastors were wearing these very long robes and the music was a little bit different. Everyone was dressed up. And it was, to me, it was like, oh, yeah, this is a holy environment. This is a different environment. Now, if you're a non-believer walking into that church, you are going to feel weird and out of place. So I understand why not all churches do that because we don't want the unbeliever to feel weird. We want them to come in and to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to show them the love of God. But I also understand we shouldn't look like the world. I think we looked at another website and it talked about like beers with the pastor. There's nothing wrong with your pastor drinking a beer with you. But if he's advertising that out to the world, it may be, again, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it was a little bit of a red flag for me personally. Yeah, and I think also we, we can say that because we know all the other things because we clicked seven pages deep into that website. And, and you know what I mean? And definitely not probably what the takeaway was. This is probably not a doctrinally sound um, church. And so, I mean, I think they're appealing to a certain person to feel welcome and, and all of that. And I get that. I do get that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we've got to say, is this church pointing me to Jesus? Is this church pointing me to his word? Is this church, um, challenging me again? Yes. Like I said, and, and that can be a hard place to be. And not all churches, this is what really gets me I, I will admit, I spend a lot of time on certain social medias, um, and I will read comments specifically. Um, when people post Christian content, um, I like to go read through the comments, and there was one talking recently about churches, and just so many people are like, I will never step foot in a church again. The hypocrisy that's there, you know, it's evil, so much stuff, and there's real church hurt. We've talked about that before. Um, but then what you've done is you've allowed the people, the broken people within a church or the broken people who lead a church to um, define what God intended church to be for you. Um, go to the source. Go read scripture. Go see what God says um, that church should look like. And then go find one because they, they are out there. But you're allowing the enemy to use that circumstance to keep you from something that is abundant. I think that is such a good point and so worth kind of noting because somebody listening today has experienced real church hurt and you're only listening to us because you want to see like, is this real again? And in your heart, maybe you're hoping that they're, that God is real and that church community can be vibrant and loving and forgiving and compassionate. So I'm going to tell you, church community, it gets messy, y'all. It ain't all sunshine and roses every day. It is full of hurt feelings and forgiveness, you know, angry outbursts and compassion. It's, it's messy. And that's just the reality of it. But I think you brought up such a good point. I, I was listening to someone the other day. Their comment was, how every abusive relationship makes you feel that no one else will love you and mm -hmm. that you can only be loved by them. 
And that's why this person was never going back to church because that's what church made them feel like. And mm. I, I started crying when I heard that because there are a lot of people who have walked away from the church because the church they attended was actually the people leading it were being fraudulent and they weren't doing the most loving, kind thing. And so we, if you're in that place right now, I just encourage you, go back to God's word. What does God's word say about the church? What, what does God's word say about who Jesus is? Read for yourself the gospel accounts so that you can get to know Jesus because they may be trying to market some kind of Jesus that's not the Jesus of scripture. Right. They're giving you old, nasty, rotten olives juice with canola oil and calling it church, the bride of Christ, when it's not. I mean, what did Jesus do? I mean, go look, read about the Pharisees. I mean, that's the thing is when we get hurt by something, and I understand this, we walk away completely. But Jesus held them to the fire, you know, and those were the leaders of, those were the high religious people, you know what I mean? And so, and he called them out and said, this is wrong. So if you've encountered that, that's wrong. Yes. And we want you to know that we're here for you and we, we kind of want to help you. So if that's you, please reach out to us. You can DM us on social media. You can email us at saverministries at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear your stories and we would love to pray with you through that and help you walk, walk through that hurt. You know, it's been interesting as I was kind of doing all of this. We're also in the process of setting up the Saver Ministries website right now. And as we were talking about it, one of the things that I am adamant about that will be one of the main things you see is our statement of belief. Because as a ministry, I want everyone who comes to our page to understand here is what we believe 100 percent and so when the website's live we'll let you guys know but just know you will be able to find very easily and very clearly what our statement of beliefs are about god about scripture because we think that's important and we want to be transparent with you so and that's just a real quick caveat before we um wrap it up that's not saying that we have to believe all the same things about everything really talking about is the core doctrines of Christianity and we won't go into what those are maybe we can do that in another podcast but I mean they're real easy to find um, so we're not saying we can't differ on end times or we can't differ on whatever the transubstantiation I can't even say the words like we don't have to agree on those hard words we just what is the core of yeah. our beliefs it, which is actually one of the things I love that we have in our church's statement of faith. It says, here are our doctrines or our beliefs. And then we talk about our distinctives, how at our church, we're distinct in this one area that we believe, but we understand there are brothers and sisters in Christ who see that one area a little bit differently. And I'm probably going to steal that for the Saver website yeah. for our about uh, about about our statement of faith. We are all tongue-tied today. I know. It's just all these twigs in our coffee. We need to... <laughs> it's just not helping. No, it's not. So, yeah, I think that is... I think that's a good point. So, what is our saver moment for today? So, what we thought would be a really cool idea, um, number one, is to go check your olive oil. Yes. Um, and get that checked out um, and maybe get some whole bean coffee in a grinder. Uh, but also... 
go and maybe you've never read your church's statement of faith or a church that you're visiting um, that you'd like to visit. Go and read their statement of faith. Um, if you love the statement of faith and or if it's just there, um, you know, and it holds to um, the core doctrines of Christianity, then maybe write your pastor a thank you note or your leadership team and say thank you for having this so front and center to keeping Jesus the center of what we believe and um, for boldly putting it out there and standing on the truth. Yeah, absolutely. So that is kind of our savor moment today. And you're like, what's the recipe? There's no recipe today. It's action, action, action. Get in your kitchen and go check out your spices, check out your olive oil, and make sure it either has a harvested date or an expiration date, and it's from a single country of origin. And if you got that poor bottle of olive oil sitting in the kitchen windowsill, get that thing out of there, (laughs) y'all. It does not like the heat. It will spoil. So... Uh, I'm going to go check my olive oil, and I may or may not cry. I'll let you know. (laughs) All right. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for being with us today here at Savor. This podcast is a ministry of Crosstown Church. For information about SOAR Women's Ministry or Crosstown Church, please visit CrosstownChurch.com or download the Crosstown app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.